Alright, hey everyone, welcome back to A Real Human Podcast. This is the technical second episode, however, this is a bonus episode. Um, This one's going to be a little bit different from the first one and future episodes, um, in the respect that I'm not going to be following the same format that I did in the first episode and or I won't be following the same format that will be taken in future episodes. Um, What I'm doing today is I'm going to be reading an essay that I recently wrote. Um, It's titled Men's Struggle with Understanding Women's Struggles. I wrote it for a women's and gender study class that I am currently taking. Um, And the reason I want to publish it here is just because I'm relatively proud of it. I like what I wrote, and rather than trying to get it published or whatnot, I figure maybe I should just put it out there. Um, So I'd like to preface this by saying, A, I am not doing this to sound like a white knight or a pick-me boy or whatever you may presume this as. Um, I'm doing this solely because... I think it is educational and it might be helpful in reinventing some people's perspectives on the issues that I'm about to speak about. Um, Secondly, I'd like to say that I am in no way, shape, or form qualified or uh, having any expertise in this field. I just think that The research I did makes a little bit of sense, and it's a good paper overall. Um, So yeah, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, and there may be more stuff like this in the future, depending on if I write more stuff that I'm proud of, or if there's just anything that I feel like I'd like to post here. Anything that falls into that category will be labeled as a bonus episode. So uh, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into my essay. So like I said, this is titled Men's Struggle with Understanding Women's Struggles. So let's begin. Throughout time, education has been the most effective way to instill new beliefs, attitudes, and thought processes into individuals. We see education in many different forms, formal schooling, ads for change online and in the media, and even from our close friends and peers. However, how effective are these avenues? A question I ponder frequently is, can you teach someone something new if they've never experienced it for themselves? Is it possible for someone to understand concepts if they've never had it shoved in their face before? A typical way that this issue is resolved is, within the school system for example, by challenging students with questions after they've been taught a concept. Most of the time, it proves effective with practice as they are gaining first-hand experience and applying their knowledge of concepts. However, this resolution is not always possible outside of the school system and in the real world. There are many divisions across America, race, social class, gender, popularity, and credibility, just to name a few. So, how do we properly educate one another on the struggles and challenges of these social groups if those we're trying to teach aren't included in them? It's fair to say that men, women, and non-binary people all have their own separate and distinct challenges they face throughout life. Some of these struggles may be comparable to one another, while others are not so much so. With this being said, 
If the best way for anyone to learn something new is to be thrown into it headfirst, then how can men possibly understand the struggles of those not in their gender category? Although men and women face different challenges and struggles, simply put, sometimes one struggle may be more important than another. In America, if you are a cis white male, you essentially have your whole life road paved ahead of you when it comes to success, acceptance, and privilege. The divide quickly makes itself known when you identify as anything other than a cis white male. White men are at the upper echelon of society, nine times out of ten, and simply have surface level issues to deal with most of the time. Women, non-binary people, people of color, queer people, they all have to face struggles not known to the white man solely because of their identity. Everyone should have the agency to advocate for change. However, the power for change is held by the men of society. Issues such as discrimination, oppression, minimal life opportunities, etc. cannot be understood by those in power because they do not face them daily. Without educating this select group of individuals on the mistreatment of these other social groups, no change will ever be made, at least for the better that is. But the issue still resides in the question, how do we educate these people without giving them first-hand experience? Should we revoke their status? make them live paycheck to paycheck and survive on the bare minimum, and purposely oppress them with the intention of education. No, this would be inherently unethical and immoral, even if this is the type of lifestyle most have to live by because of those in power, and it would ultimately lead to resentfulness and more division. However, just because the most obvious solution is not viable, this does not excuse the fact that these men, all men for that matter, must be educated. How though? How do we instill new beliefs and knowledge in the men that do not comprehend the issues of lower societal groups? That's a good question. The colonization of America in 1492 was predominantly achieved by men. The first slaves were brought to America in 1619 by men. The liberation of America from Britain in 1776 was accomplished by men. Do you notice the theme? Since the dawn of the United States, men have been behind it all. Although the ethics of how these feats were done are largely questionable, it's understandable as to why today most men hold the belief that they are superior to those who do not identify as male. With the common fabricated notion that America rests on the backs of men comes pride that dare not be tarnished. Men must defend their pride at all costs, even if that means stepping on the toes of others to do so. However, let's address a few things. America was built by slaves, populated by women, and sustained by women and people of color. The men in question were simply in control of it all because that's all that was known. This caused an onslaught of issues that spread throughout the US like smallpox brought over by the European settlers. Some of these issues include gender discrimination, racism, bigotry, etc. And like everything else, the ones that were behind it are, you guessed it, men. The first steps in the right direction came in the late 1960s when Elizabeth Stanton and Susan B. Anthony started the women's suffrage movement. Through self-advocacy, women fought for equal rights as it's naturally deserved of all people. This is one of the first major instances of men's struggle with understanding women's struggles. As stated by Linda K. Kerber and her colleagues in their book, Women's America, Refocusing the Past, an Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, would invalidate sex-based labor laws, they feared since comparable protection would not be extended to men. 
The, the, the they in question refers to men who, rather than attempting to understand women's rationale, decide to fight back because women having something that men do not would undermine their pride. In instances such as this one, why is it the first reaction to defend rather than support? I think it goes slightly deeper than that, so simply, I dug. Defensiveness is a personality trait characterized by avoidance, denial, or repression of information perceived as threatening by the individual. It has been argued that its primary function is to secure social bonds and to protect vulnerable self-esteem through socially desirable behaviors such as conforming to the opinion of others or lying about inappropriate behaviors in suboptimal performance. The two words in this quote that caught my attention the most were threatening and vulnerable. A notion that has stood the test of time and is only recently being broken down due to men's mental health being discussed more and more is that men must be strong and not show their feelings. Vulnerability is more or less a gender term in the respect that it's socially acceptable for women to be vulnerable, but not the same for men. It's propagated throughout schools, households, and everyday life that men must be strong and unyielding. When men begin to get down on themselves and struggle, we're taught to hide and deal with those issues privately. If your masculinity has been threatened, the last thing you want to do is be vulnerable. Because of this, it can be hard for most men to open up about their issues and be vulnerable with others, sometimes even the ones that they trust. Could part of the issue with men struggling to understand women's issues be that, due to the lack of their vulnerability, they're unable to accept and process the vulnerability of women in their issues? Could it be that because men are generally taught to repress their own emotions, they become triggered when women express theirs and men decide to fight back? Moskowitz and his colleagues continue to say that defensiveness increases stress and vice versa. If men spend a majority of their lives hiding their emotions, stress builds up. Emotions can be a lot for one person. Sometimes an outside perspective is necessary. When men hold their emotions in and stress builds up, defensiveness is more likely to occur. Apart from that, I wouldn't say it's out of consideration for men to become resentful of women being able to openly express their feelings and vent their struggles while society accepts it. A Western world ideology that is still very much alive today, mostly because of Republicans I'd say, is the traditional masculine ideology, or TMI for short. Ronald F. Levant and Catherine Richmond quote that there are four norms to TMI. No sissy stuff, the big wheel, which means to strive for success, the sturdy oak, which means don't show weakness, and give them hell. Seek adventure even if violence is necessary. Because TMI has persevered through Western society, men are being preached and promoted ideas that are antiquated and harmful. They're taught to be one thing even if they feel like something else. A study from Jill Berger and her colleagues notes that men with a higher level of gender role conflicts find it more difficult and are less likely to seek psychological help. This is dangerous because, even though there are similar norms and expectations for women, it's far more socially acceptable for a woman to act masculine than a man to act feminine. This leads to resentment and hostility. Women are shut out from the man's world and not taken seriously. So in conclusion, there can be many varying reasons as to why men can't seem to understand what women go through, whether it's preconceived notions, antiquated teachings, misplaced bias, or blissful ignorance. 
there is a division between men and women which is not sustainable. I believe this is due largely in part to psychological factors in many men that cannot allow them to understand and sympathize with women due to their own upbringing. However, whatever the may cause be, I believe that figuring out the root is the first step in the healing process. Men must be taught that their emotions are natural and it's okay to have them. They don't always need to be an open book when it comes to their feelings, but they also don't need to shut themselves away so no one can take a deeper look. Men's mental health should continue to be pursued and promoted, just as some parents should reconsider how they parent their children. After all, most people are primarily a product of their upbringing. Women should also continue to reassure men that it's okay to be open about how they feel, just as men should do the same. Women's issues are not men's issues, so men have no right to control them. However, without education and deep reflection, this change will never come about. All right. So that concludes my essay. Um, I'd like to apologize if I had a little stutter or I had to repeat a few words. Um, you know, sometimes a dry mouth can make you be bad at speaking. Um, but with this being concluded, I'd like to readdress a few things. A, like I said at the very beginning of this episode, I don't have any qualifications to speak about this. Um, other than the fact that this is the research I have done and collected and I would like to use my male privilege in a sense to hopefully educate other men because if you have privilege the first thing to do with it is recognize that and then the second thing which should be done is using it for the greater good so I'm using this platform even if you know a bunch of people don't listen I'm using it to try to promote a healthy idea. Um, after all, the whole basis of this podcast is to allow people to relate to the things I'm saying and ideally educate people on whatever I may be speaking about, even if I am not truly an educator. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed and yeah, I'll see you whenever I see you. Have a good day.